don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a feller in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Glad to be there. And of course, glad as we are typically on a Friday to be working alongside bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you today? Doing very well to my Floridians and uh, we're hanging in there up here. How come you didn't say favorite Floridians? Oh, he met other wow. Floridians in the meantime. He just wanted to wait it's until possible. after the show to break the news. Yes, I was trying to be very polite and very kind of, I was easing it in because I don't know uh, how you guys are going to take this. Yes, he's very fickle with his Floridians. <laughs> yeah, I am. So today we're going to talk about meaningful coincidences. A popular term for which is synchronicity or synchronicities, serendipity. That's that's old school serendipity, and yet it all applies. It all fits. We're going to have a fascinating discussion, Suzanne, because we have a fascinating guest today. We Thank do. You. Thank you. We do. Bernard Beitman, MD, is the first psychiatrist since Carl Jung to systematize the study of coincidences. A graduate of Yale Medical School, he did his, psychi his psychiatric residency at Stanford University, the former chair of psychiatry at the University of Missouri Columbia Medical School for 17 years. He writes a blog for Psychology Today on Coincidence and is the co-author of the award-winning book, Learning Psychotherapy. The founder of the Coincidence Project, he lives in Charlottesville, Virginia. And for the first time, we are very eager to welcome Dr. Beitman. Welcome to Manson Mitchell, Dr. Thank you very much. Glad to be with Manson Mitchell, even if you're not in Seattle anymore. You're still, broad, <laughs> you're still broadcasting there, so that's, that's important. Right. That's true. That's true. We were in your town, what was it, less than two weeks ago, Gary? Um, so time flies. I think it's closer to three now, but we were there recently, recently? on a road trip. Yep, yep. Charlottesville, very pretty place. And I knew that school was starting soon at the University of Virginia, and I thought, oh, well, let's find out. We were tired from driving that day. And so we got there and we found out that the prices become astronomical for move-in weekend when you have not only students coming in, but their parents there to see them off as well. We were intending to go to Monticello for our second time and then said, oops, looks like we're going to Richmond. So we kept driving, uh, getting there late at night. But very pretty part of the country, Virginia. Okay. You and I really liked a lot of what we saw in Virginia, Gary. So rich in history as well. And uh, we even got to Jefferson Davis's White House. That hadn't been on my bucket list, but there we were in Richmond. So we went to see it. You learn a lot in Virginia. That's for sure. You learn to appreciate a lot. We read the book completely cover to cover, Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. And this was one that we are personally interested in very much, the, the whole topic, because we have all had a lot of coincidences that we wonder about. But I like the fact that in your book, Dr. Beitman, 
you you chunk it down into really important areas and we're going to try and cover as much as we can in an hour about the various areas that relate to meaningful coincidences and the first thing just so we've got our listeners with us we have talked about synchronicity quite a bit coincidences and synchronicity but i thought for the sake of the interview that I'd like you to take just a couple minutes to distinguish between what you call coincidences and synchronicity and serendipity. And once we've got everybody with us, we'll roll from there. Yeah, oh, it's very important to be able to do that. Uh, and I, I, I do run into a little bit of pushback on my use of the word coincidence because so many people, particularly in the United States, like the word synchronicity serendipity seems to be used more and actually studied more in Europe. So there is a bit of a tension between the two words. And I've learned enough about each of the definitions of those two words that the definitions are ambiguous. So I've used the word coincidence to get away from these really lovely words, serendipity and synchronicity, and try to be a little more scientific about what we're talking about. And the word coincidence is a really nice word in that it goes both ways. It could be a mere coincidence or it could be a meaningful coincidence. By mere coincidence, people mean it doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean much. It's probably random. On the other hand, when you put meaningful in front of it, there's something else going on. And I'll, I'll try to be able to say what that something else is going on in defining what I mean by a meaningful coincidence. It's a coming together of two or more events in a surprising, unexpected, and usually improbable way that seems to have significance to the person experiencing it. And either at that moment or retrospect, seems to have a possible explanation. So the two elements that are crucial about meaning and meaningful coincidences are, what does it mean to me? What does it mean for me or the people I'm involved with? And what might be some explanations for it? Those are the two primary meanings. You get to the words synchronicity and serendipity and the meaningful coincidence term is an umbrella term for those two, as well as two other concepts, seriality and simulpathity. But the main ones are synchronicity and serendipity. Uh, synchronicity was um, a term invented by Carl Jung, you know, and he wrote about it in some detail in a monograph in 1973. And Jung was a little cautious about bringing that idea to the scientific world because uh, then, as as much as is going on now, uh, science is not interested in things that don't seem to have a cause that is explainable by scientific means, or there's a good explanation for it that can be tested by getting some numbers. So Jung was cautious about it, but since that monograph in 1973, the interest in meaningful coincidences has accelerated. And I like to point out that Jung didn't use the word synchronicity to describe meaningful coincidence. He used the word synchronicity to explain meaningful coincidences. Mm -hmm. 
And by the term synchronicity, he meant it as an a-causal connecting principle, a-causal, which was to be contradictory to the current way science was thinking about anything. So if there was an a-causal thing, there got to be something else. He didn't really mean no cause, although some people think that. There are, he thought the cause was something to do with meaning, the meaning between the two elements of a coincidence. So meaning meant a lot to, <coughs> to Jung, but that's not enough. I use the word uh, a causal as a kind of cover leaf, as like a fig leaf for what Jung didn't understand and what we are now trying to be able, able to understand. And for most people, synchronicity in its sharper definition refers to meaningful coincidences that have something to do with spirituality interpersonal relationships, or psychological development. That's the kind of narrower definition. However, people use the word synchronicity for what I will call serendipity. Uh, and by serendipity, I mean, simply said, happy accidents. That is, you find something that is useful to you in an unexpected way. Sometimes it's you're looking for one thing and you find something else that's much better, or you're looking at, for something else, and then you find what you're looking for in the way that you weren't looking for it. So you do something different and come up with what you want. The basic idea is you find something you're looking for in an accidental way. Uh, and part of the way serendipity happens a lot, and synchronicity too, is you got to be moving around in your environment. And a summary phrase for that is, the dog that trots about finds the bone. It's an old gypsy idea. And I add, the dog that trots about finds a bone, especially if the dog trots about near a butcher shop. <laughs> yes. That your book is filled with so many phenomenally interesting stories. And I'm wondering if you would consider this first one serendipity or what you might call that. But I wanted you to talk about a, a story on page 27 about a man who wanted to go to medical school, but he couldn't because it was the depression. And what happened with he and his grandson and the things that occurred in that story? The, thank you. The, the fundamental idea behind that story, which I got from a book called Small Miracles, which is full of uh, meaningful coincidences. Uh, the thing about that story is the the grandfather wanted his grandson and his son before to become a doctor. Uh, and the, that, that grandfather was Nathan Stein, and he was dreaming of his own becoming a doctor in the Great Depression, but he had to give up his dreams because there was no money. So he pinned his hopes on his grandson, Kevin, who had decided at a very early age to go to medical school, probably by influence from his parents and his father. But Nathan had died by the time Kevin was nine. So Kevin was a senior at Penn State University and was confronted with the enormous tuition costs of medical school. And they have only gotten a lot higher since those days. 
His parents, both real estate agents, stopped, stepped up their efforts to bring in more business. And here is uh, uh, what we might call serendipity, but this, I add the word, the idea of internal GPS. That is, somehow we know what we need to go without knowing why or even how we get there. So one day his father, Sherman, noticed an ad by people planning to sell their house on their own. Now, Sherman, the father, just didn't do that. If people wanted to sell it on their own, okay, go and sell it on their own. But, And this is the key point that uh, I bring to you and our audience, is sometimes we have an uncontrollable urge to do something that seems out of the ordinary. And it's worth testing out those uncontrollable urges. Sometimes they do get you in trouble, but when you refine it and know which ones to pay attention to, sometimes you come up with some pretty good things as is what happened on this one. So he felt the urge and made the appointment. Uh, After two appointment changes with the, the sellers, Sherman met with the seller finally. And it's important to notice that there were two appointment changes because that set back the actual time that they met. And that actual time was crucial in what I'm going to describe. He had the address in hand, uh, Sherman did. And as he walked up to the front door, he realized that this was his father-in-law's old house, Nathan Stein's old house. So Sherman said, wow, this is quite a coincidence. In fact, that may have made him unconsciously or subconsciously want to be able to to catch, uh, pick up with these people. And that might've triggered him as well. So as he, he told the sellers the story about the coincidence and he, as he was telling the story, and this is more in the serendipity area because you find things by accident. It was the mailman with a registered letter for Nathan Stein who had died 14 years earlier. So Sherman as his father's representative signed the letter. And it was from a bank about Nathan Stein's dormant bank account. The account (laughs) contained the exact amount of money Kevin needed to go to medical school. Mm. I love that story. I love that story. That is great. That is great. So that's got several elements in it, but that's the kind of story you can find in meaningful coincidences. Great stories. So, you know, a story like that, you can't help but believe that the whole thing was orchestrated <laughs> and handed to some press agent. <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying that, I don't believe that for a second, by the way, Dr. Biteman, but I am curious if after revealing that sort of story and others, at least impressive, if not equally impressive as that one. How many people have said to you in the scientific community, even in the medical community? Well, now, Doc, of course, being a very, very well-educated man there, surely you must realize that, you know, Occam's razor really covered this contingency a long time ago. That if it's a simple explanation that fits the known facts, that's probably going to be the most accurate one. (laughs) <laughs> that fits the known facts and that's the problem there's facts that those scientists don't know and, that, and that's the trouble with 
usual the usual materialistic way of thinking of science meaning we have to think that you've got got to measure it and cause and effect uh in the way we understand them as one thing causes another is is basic to our views of this reality and that those views of reality are have been very helpful in our adaptation to this reality however before science got its legs going and there were a lot of strange ideas floating around in people's minds some of which were yeah, superstition, but some of them which uh, may have had some truth to them. And this this story uh, illustrates something else that might be going on. And what might that something else be going, going on here is what I am very interested in trying to elucidate. In your book, you talk about not only the types of coincidences but one of the most fascinating things has to do with what is the cause of all the coincidences. And with your indulgence, I'd like to read the first paragraph from your book on Signs from God, Chapter 6. Many synchronicities seem to have mysterious origins in addition to their probability. The most popular explanation for mysterious coincidences is that God or the universe is responsible. A belief in divine intervention isn't found only in ancient civilizations or in indigenous cultures. In fact, the 2009 survey I conducted of people affiliated with the University of Missouri found that the most strongly endorsed explanations for coincidences were God and fate. Philosopher Sharon Hewitt Rollett highlighted this remarkable observation when it comes to unusual events. More than 200 years after the advent of modern science, God and fate still rank higher among the college educated than the naturalistic alternative of chance. I wanted you to talk about the spectrum, the polarities. Coincidences occur on two polarities. Interestingly, that so many people have a tendency to think that it's all at one end but I'd like you to talk about those two polarities. Which you have just mentioned. Uh, these, these polarities are random chance. And when we talk about Occam's razor in modern science, the re Occam's razor for things like this Nathan Stein story uh, is probability, is, is random chance. Uh, I was talking to a uh, statistician in at Cambridge University in England, I interviewed him on my podcast, and he he told me that trying to understand the explanations for meaningful coincidences is bad for your mental health. <laughs> so you're talking to a psychotic person here, according to him, that is me, and I'm not, and I'm able to walk the line between what's psychotic and what is not and coincidences are common events and we define psychosis very often by what's not part of what quotidian reality would have us believe regular reality and i'm saying from my data coincidences are quite common and with that the the probability guys the random guys come up with this law of truly large numbers the law of truly large numbers and i i put the deep voice on that because they're playing with a real law 
in math called the law of large numbers, which suggests the, the more you do uh, a probability experiment, the closer you'll come to the actual mean or actual mean of the, that pro those probability. So for example, if you're flipping a, a bunch of coins uh, and you get a bunch of tails and a bunch of heads, it, the more you do that, the closer you'll get to 50-50 of heads and tails. That's the law of, that is the law of large numbers. The more larger the numbers, the closer you get to heads and tails. But a, a statistician at Stanford who used to be a magician, magician, he probably still was when he was doing this, came up with this law of truly large numbers, which meant that in truly large numbers and large populations, any weird thing can happen. Well, there's some truth to that. There has to be a probability of any two events coming together. There has to be one because it happened, and it happened in this plane. But that doesn't mean that probability is the only explanation. It's a characteristic of meaningful coincidence to have a probability, often a low one, uh, a low probability. It's a little bit like saying, I've got a lot of troubles now, and they're all because of my mother. It's, it's not one thing. My mother has had something to do with it, of me and all of us. But there are many other factors that influence the troubles we get into now. And similarly, with, with coincidences, probability is one part of the explanation of the description, but not the only. On the other hand, on the other end, is God universe, as you mentioned, or consciousness, uh, or, or the what I bring in is the psychosphere, which is another part of all this, that there, there, there's something else, there is a mystery involved. And what I like about studying meaningful coincidences is that the mystery is so interesting. It's, I'm curious. And science is not about telling you what reality is. Re science is about asking questions about reality. Science is asking questions in a formal way that allows you to believe that the answers you get are some are reasonably correct, but there's always more to find out. So I'm in this because when I went to school, I knew they weren't telling me something and the coincidences helped me uncover some of the darkness and the fun of mystery. But in between, is the hardest thing for people to, some people to get to is, hey, Mitchell and Mance, you got something to do with this. Mance and Mitchell, you make them happen too. You play a part in creating meaningful coincidences. So I try to define, yeah, the probability if I can, or somehow talk about the mystery and how we might understand it. But I'm a psychiatrist, I'm a psychotherapist. I try to help people understand how they contributed to their coincidences as well. Absolutely. And we'll be talking more about that in the second half. The, a few pages after what I read, I thought was one of the most interesting reasons as to why highly educated people and many others would say that this coincidence was uh, caused by God or the universe. It was divinely ordained that I would have this experience. And in your book, you write, because people feel guided and cared for 
by something greater than themselves if they can attribute what's happening them to something else. And I thought that was very interesting when you're looking at the difference between scientific and not scientific is I want to feel guided and cared for. And here's the way that the universe is caring for me. And I, I just thought that was, that was a good, uh, a good take on that. Like why people would choose that. Well, thanks for picking up on that. Yeah. Because I do think, there's some truth to that. Oh, I, I do too. Yeah. It, it it can be overdone and it can be ignored. But I think that there there seems to be guiding forces around here. And yeah, uh, as, as Gary said earlier, uh, it looks like it's rigged. <laughs> some of these things. <laughs> uh, not the word you use, but you said it better, actually. <laughs> I mean, I, I without going through the, without going through the details because it's too much. Uh, I had something with a really good friend of mine that, that that's what I said. Hey, come on, man! This this is rigged, man. It's just like how could this be that uh, this happened? Um, it's just too many details um, are coming together right now to make this one look like it's going to happen so i i shake my head a lot of times and say this is rigged and i'm doing that more and more partly because i'm getting really into this and i i represent uh this movement towards uh including uh serendipity synchronicity meaningful coincidences in our vocabulary in a way that allows us to talk about them with each other. Whoever's listening to this now, I ask you to tell your friends, your relatives, your coincidence stories, because that's what the Coincidence Project and I are trying to do, is to help you see, help you experience that it's not just you running into money when you needed it, or running into somebody just when you wanted to find that person or running into a stranger who is really helpful to you or finding uh, some medical help that you wouldn't have found in regularly going through the internet but somehow it just happened because your hair your hairstylist was talking about somebody else and that's somebody that you needed to be able to contact these things go on all the time Let's systematize them. Let's talk about them. Let's make it evident to all of us that we live in a world full of meaningful coincidences that not only are helpful to us, but are clues to how reality works. And as I try to do in the last part of my book, to say that meaningful coincidences might be able to help humanity save itself from itself. I'm a psychiatrist. Humanity is slowly boiling itself in its own heat. Can we jump out of it? Can we help do something about it? Well, paying attention to meaningful coincidences is one aspect of how we might mitigate the potential disasters that we are helping make happen. That's a call to action, a call to consciousness, to yes. awareness, yes. well worth heeding. The book is Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. The author is our guest, our honored guest today, Dr. Bernard Beitman. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we have stories. I have one of my own I want to share. Me good. too. Very good, good. 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 
Good, good. We'll, we'll see how these stack up against the one you find in this book, maybe not so well, but we think they're worth mentioning anyway. Meaningful coincidences. That is the topic for our hour together. Give us a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. We're Manson Mitchell, and you're tuned in to the home of Radio Synchronicity, AM 1150 in Seattle. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Dr. Bernard Beitman to talk about meaningful coincidences. What is their nature and how can we benefit from synchronicity and serendipity on purpose? On Saturday, Becky Walsh joins us from London for a free-range discussion about life from both sides of the pond. Bringing you fascinating talk since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Bernard Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman has written a book called Meaningful Coincidences. Dr. Beitman, if people would like to get the book or learn more about the Coincidence Project, please tell them how they can do that and share their stories. Thank you. You can you can buy Meaningful Coincidence. The full title is Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. And you could get it, you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, Barnes and Noble should be stock, stacking it, stocking it, as well as you can order it through uh, Simon and Schuster as inner and inner traditions. But just put my name in your internet browser and meaningful coincidences and you'll come up with the book. I'm, I'm I, gonna spell your last name. It's B-E-I-T-M-A-N, Biteman, uh, B-E-I-T-M-A-N. Okay, and finish about the coincidence project. And, and uh, several other things that might interest you include uh, my podcast. I, I've done about mm. 200 podcasts all focused on meaningful coincidences. It's it's a narrow thing. I'm not doing a wide range of stuff. I, 
all of it is about meaningful coincidences. Uh, like today, I did one uh, on the relationship between fractals and precognition, which sounds abstract, but it was fascinating. And there are a lot of stories that people tell in, in the on my podcast, some very interesting people telling things. Deepak Chopra had some good stories to tell and, and many others. So podcast you can get to by putting connecting with coincidence in your web browser. And if you want to get to my book website, it's coincider.com. I'll, I'll spell that C-O-I-N-C-I-D-E-R.com. And a coincider is someone who experiences coincidences, just like you two, just like my get my hosts today do. A coincider is you. If you have a bunch of coincidences, you're a coincider. Coincider.com. And I have a Psychology Today blog uh, with more than a million uh, hits and looks. Uh, and it, again, is about meaningful coincidences in all their shapes and forms. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Before the break, you had said that it's important for people to share their stories about coincidences with their friends and, and, uh, and family and all of that. And so we said, okay, we're all going to tell a story. Gary, you want to go first? Again, does and, that lead off here? Yeah. And, and let me and let me add that the Coincidence Project, of which I am the founder and president, um, and is now a nonprofit in the state of Virginia, has as its main function purpose is to in, in to help people tell each other coincidence stories. So go right ahead, please. And I might add, this is a form of oral history, and I support that too. People and their stories make up our world, the world of perception. Well, here it goes. Here's my little contribution for our purposes today. I went to lunch one day many, many years ago. This would have been in the early 1990s. I stopped in. Uh, it was during my work day. I thought I'll grab some lunch. I had business uh, dropping somebody off at the SeaTac airport. And I thought, let me head south and I'll grab some lunch. And I went to one of my favorite places to eat. No longer there anymore, unfortunately, but it was a good place to eat. Not the Pony Espresso. No, no, it's not that. No, it was, it was called BK's Kitchen, actually. Some of our listeners may remember that. It was a terrific place. I sat down there right next to the parking lot. And it was, uh, for Seattle, it was a fairly sunny day. It was, you know, the, the room was admitting not much light because I think we, people think that you live underground like a mole in Seattle. It's not really true. Some days it just feels like it. So I sat down to order my lunch and there I had a paper there right at my booth. There was a newspaper, the old Seattle Post Intelligencer, which is now available online only. And I thought, ah, somebody left this paper. It was the food section, which ordinarily I would never pick up. I, I could barely boil water. But I picked up the food section, and there was the cover story of that section. It was called, the, the article, a feature article, was titled Carpe Diet. And it was about improvised delicacies that some chef in Seattle would whip up, and he became well-known for this. Carpe Diet. And I thought, well, that's a cute turn of phrase, but I don't even know what carpe diem means. I hadn't seen Dead Poets Society at that time. 
And I go, oh, carpe diem, carpe diem. And we'd hear this every now and again. I thought, yeah, that's terrific. And now I'm seeing carpe diet. But what does it mean? How does it translate into English, the language that I speak? I don't speak Latin. So what does this phrase mean, carpe diem? And I put the paper down and began to enjoy my lunch. Within a few minutes, with all of the windows facing the parking lot, there was only one blind open to admit some light. And that exposed or revealed one parking space, only one that I could see from where I was seated. And the window was up, the lights coming in. I put the paper down, I'm getting ready to eat. And then a car comes around and takes the lone remaining parking space exactly in front of the open window. That car had a license plate frame that said, Carpe, Carpe diem, seize the day. And thus my question was answered. And I go, well, that's kind of a funky coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started to think, is there some kind of principle behind this? <laughs> Gary will often ask questions and the universe or whatever will bring him the answer. I have seen this happen repeatedly over the years. I wonder whatever happened to so-and-so and you turn on the TV and there they are. And they just died. <laughs> right. Right. So it's the timing of it, doc. It's, it's mystifying to me. The timing is what's so great. The timing is what's so great. Think of it. And there it is. The yeah. two um, examples you're, you're talking about of thinking about carpe diem and seeing the license plate. And having a question and answering, having it answered all within a short period of time are two of the most common coincidences reported in my weird coincidence survey. Mm. It doesn't surprise me. Mm. It, it, it should, but it doesn't surprise me because it, it just seems to defeat, if you will, probability and chance in a way that was personally meaningful to me. And I'll bet you, Doc, nobody sitting there having their lunch except me would have had any use for the information or paid any attention to it at that time. It was meaningful to me. It's, yes, it's all about what you were thinking and how it matched in your environment. There are mirrors of our minds in our environments. The first thing I do is describe. The beginning of any good science is description and categorization. And what you're helping me do right now is that you come up with two of the examples of the four most common coincidences, according to our weird coincidence research. We interviewed a thousand people with our interview scale and the two you just mentioned in the top four. And that helps confirm for me, Gary, so thanks for this too, what I am already finding in uh, what I already found. And I, on a couple of podcasts yesterday, some of the same things were happening. So for me, there's a, a string of confirmations of these two, these two most common coincidences uh, in people's lives. Once you start getting con confirmation of a particular event and its repetition which you're just doing with me right now and you did it with yourself over and over 
but other people are doing it. So it's not just crazy Gary being weird. It's a common human experience. So I'm hoping that our audience will recognize that coincidences that match what's in your mind with something outside your mind are common. And why do you think people don't like that? Well, to think about that. Because it means that my mind is not just in my skull. It means that something about my environment is also related to my mind in a way that I just don't know how that works. But it is. The data is there. The descriptions are there. So what these do, what Gary, your, you, what your experiences suggest is that your mind is not just in your skull, but it is somehow part of what's around you. And what's around you, I call the psychosphere, our mental atmosphere, that we give and receive information and energy from our mental atmosphere. And how that works, today I interviewed a guy with who talks about precognition, and he would suggest to you that you were able to uh, imagine this future, that you were predicted the future subconsciously. That's his beginning explanation for it. I'm not quite thinking that way yet, but there will be more explanations coming up. The primary thing is, Gary, you have had that experience many times. A question is answered without your asking for it. A thought is mirrored in your environment and the license plate in this case. So once we accumulate a lot of those, then we get some good minds together to try to understand the possible explanations for them. I appreciate your words very much. And I, again, I think this is grounded in principle. And it's one of the reasons why we definitely wouldn't be talking to you on a regular basis, Dr. Bightman, because this this is the kind of thing that helps people grow their consciousness. Yes. That's I don't mean for that to sound like a you know a hee-haw yahoo phrase or anything. Growing your own consciousness is very serious business, even when it's a lot of fun. It's, My turn. It's, it's, I'm gonna add, yes, yeah, definitely your turn. But I'm I want it to be fun and educational. That's what I like. Yes. I like that. Yeah. I'm a song and dance guy. I like to sing songs that make make yeah. people think. So yes. So please go ahead with your story. Excellent. My grandfather joined the church one year after it was built in Chicago in the early 1900s, and the entire city of Chicago grew around the church. It's across from the John Hancock Center on Michigan Avenue, Oh yeah, the, the Fourth Presbyterian Church, and he joined it because it had a basketball court. Attaboy. So he and my grandmother were married there. They had two children. And our family was there for four generations. He passed away in 1988. And he and my mom were very close. They had a very good, special, loving relationship. And in the 1990s, the church decided that the hymnals had gotten old and periodically they wanted to redo them. So they said, we're going to do all new hymns. And if you want to contribute to the hymnals, then you can send us some money and we will put the name of whoever you like in the hymnal. 
And my mother, of course, sent money in with her father's name on the hymnal, because in part, he was a musician who used to play with big bands that came through Chicago. He was a saxophonist. And so we had his name in one, one hymnal. Well, there were thousands of hymnals. And every time we went to church, we would open up our hymnal to see if his name was in it. And of course, it never was. It was too hard to find among the hundreds or thousands of hymnals that were in the church. And not only were they in the sanctuary, but they were in auxiliary uh, places to sit and small chapels. They were just kind of everywhere. My mom passed away in 2010, and we wanted to hold her funeral at our legacy church in Chicago. So we made those arrangements and we had a memorial service for her in uh, December of 2010. And during that service in one of the smaller chapels, um, we sang songs, we prayed, we, we had things to say, and, and there was a pianist there who was playing several hymns. At the end of the service, my brother said, would it be possible for me to take a hymnal as a remembrance of my mother's passing? And the minister there said, yes, of course, please take a hymnal. And he chose the hymnal from the piano that was being played at my mom's memorial service. And on the inside cover was my grandfather's name. That's my story. Well, there's a, there's a, again, these are not as commonly reported. We didn't ask so much about them, but uh, let's talk about uh, the two meanings of meaning. What did it mean for you and your relatives for that to happen? It meant, uh, we, the, the meaning that we attributed to it is that my grandfather was there at my mother's memorial service and that perhaps he had been there to greet her on the other side. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I, 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 I was coming home from my father's tombstone unveiling uh, and was uh, had an assigned seat next to a woman that, uh, yeah, um, together for 40 years and two great boys as a result. And I thought my father had arranged uh, us to sit together. So it's like uh, a lot of people think stuff like that um, happens, that there are some guardian angels, otherwise known as our relatives sometimes, who are helping us do things like that. Uh, what did it mean to, um, to the people? And that was an explanation grandfather put it together with uh put you all together because he was so close to his daughter uh and it the it's such an important idea uh that these emotionally charged relationships increase the likelihood of meaningful coincidences to happen uh for example with my father um he was choking on his own blood and dying in wilmington delaware and I was in San Francisco uncontrollably choking in front of a sink. 
3,000 miles away. And it occurred at the same time. I was 11 p.m. in San Francisco, 2 a.m. in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. And 2 a.m. in Wilmington, Delaware also happened to be my birthday. So he died on my birthday. And this is another way of talking about how we are connected to each other and that coincidences highlight or uncover or illuminate the invisible currents that connect us and unite us. And this, is, this story also illustrates something very much like that. What did you think? How did you feel about this coincidence? I was surprised. My reaction was, wow, like of, of all, and, and I look at probabilities. I took probability in school, in high school. And so I looked at the probability of that, that particular book being on the piano in the room of my mom's memorial service of all the books that were in the entire sanctuary and and all the ancillary chapels and everywhere else and i thought that is a very low probability possibility that's that's true and again the guy the probability guys just say any weird thing can happen uh in large numbers but what that's you looked at the probability. What was the emo- what was your emotional response besides being surprised? I'm very happy. I mean, very happy yeah. feeling like there yeah. was that family connection. Yeah. He had joined that church. My mom was the second generation, and um, I and my brother and sister, third generation. And it was it was just feeling like there was such a connection with the the place. Because you you can have a place, but different things happen at different times. There's different ministers. There's there's different marriages. There's different births. There's different baptisms. There's different funerals. Things are going on. And yet, you know, in that one place, there was all this connection going on. And so I felt very happy about that. Yeah. And and the vision of the Coincidence Project is to illuminate the hidden the illuminate the invisible currents that connect and unite us. And that's what your experience was. That's yes. Beautiful. That's, that's beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. I would like to bring up the name Michael Shermer. Michael oh, Shermer. Good old made, Michael Shermer. Yeah. He's made quite a name for himself being a skeptic and a, a, really a, a mocker as well, you know, over the years. Something happened in the life at a very important on a very important date for Michael Shermer. Now you're talking here about a man who is a reputable scientific thinker within the parameters of discussing the paranormal, anything that can't be readily explained by rational and uh, empirical thinking. So that's where he's coming from. He is a skeptic, and he veers toward debunking, in my opinion. But something happened, and it's written up in your book. Second time I've in- encountered this narrative, Dr. Beitman. Please tell that story in brief and your own assessment or your own reaction to what you learned about what happened to him and his bride. Well, let's define skeptic a little bit. Uh, Michael Shermer is a skeptic of the version that anything weird is wrong. 
Uh, which means that if he were to carry it further, that some of the weird things that astronomers see in the sky that are anomalies, he would say they can't be because our science can't explain them. So we came up with dark energy and dark matter because we don't know what's happening, but there is some shifts that weren't expected by normal science, but we don't do that on Earth. What we're looking for is skeptic. He's a pseudo-skeptic. We're looking for people who are skeptical, meaning that they are open to challenging ideas, not just casting them out because they don't fit. Well, Michael Shermer got married to Jennifer Graff uh, from Germany. Um, and she'd been raised by her mother, but her grandfather, hey, we got another grandfather in here. Uh, Walter uh, was the closest father figure she had had growing up, but he died when she was 16. In 1978, his nine, excuse me, his 1978 Phillips transistor radio, if you remember any of those, was part of a collection of his belongings a little bit like the, the prayer book uh, of his belongings that Jennifer had kept and which Michael had set out to bring back to life after decades of muteness. He, he couldn't get it going, so he put it back in the desk drawer of their bedroom. Michael and Jennifer's marriage took place on June 25th, 2014 in Michael's home. Being 9,000 kilometers from family, friends, and home, Jennifer was feeling lonely. She had wanted her grandfather to give her away. Then, and then, and then, uh, as the ceremony was about to begin, they heard music playing in the bedroom. They followed the sound to the desk in their bedroom. When Jennifer opened the desk drawer and pulled out her grandfather's transistor radio, it was playing a love song. My grandfather is here with us. Jennifer said tearfully, I'm not alone. As, 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 in, as in the Chicago church, your family felt your grandfather was there with you. And that's what Jennifer felt. Later that night, they fell asleep in the, to the sound of classical music coming from Walter's radio. The radio stopped short, never to go again, silent ever since. That's what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, meaningful coincidences. There's a book out there you need to read, Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. The author, the brilliant Dr. Bernard Beitman. Thank you. Sir, we have to have you back. Please say you'll come back and we want to delve more deeply into this book. We've only scratched the surface. I will come back. Uh, Absolutely. I, I will come back. Uh, you've you've got the right idea here, and yep. I appreciate I, I re appreciate and respect that. Good. Well, thank you for being with us today. You're very welcome. And, and join us later for American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. That's right. We're going to talk about classic cars of Hollywood. That ought to be fun. We will catch you. Catch us tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on AM 1150. Have a great weekend, everyone.